This is the GPL Podcast from GoForPuckLive.com. Uh, this is a 10.8% beer. Danker, hoppier. Lots of loaf of bread. <laughs> yes, it is. It's lit. Oh, boy. Do making mistakes. I love it. And so I had to train for this marathon. <laughs> Make sure you stay awake for the game tomorrow, too. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Hair game on GPL. It's the least thing you guys got Ote-mote. Now, here's Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 233. Vigs, a very successful weekend in Hockey Valley. I think we can officially say the demons have been put in the past (laughs) about Minnesota's trips out to Happy Valley, and we saw a great performance on Friday night. I think there were a couple things on Saturday I didn't like about the Gophers game. Mm-hmm. And it, it brings up a few of those nitpicky worries. But again, at the end of the game, guess who comes through with key plays and takes mm-hmm. advantage of their skills? Matthew Nyes. And that's just the magic this team has this year. Well, we have a guest who, who actually witnessed these games pretty well this past weekend. He was uh, doing a little color commentary on the BTN podcast, making his 11th appearance on the gpl podcast paul Capanigri, cappy how oh, are you man i i don't know any any of these numbers you start throwing out there i just start feeling older and older <laughs> but no oh come on i'm 50 I'm now i'm 50 right. I'm, I'm not 50 um, but <laughs> no, uh, it's great to be here as always uh it means it's buckeye time and uh, yeah, like I, I, you guys can talk to me as, as much as each other w- about last week's games because I exactly I might actually know them a little better than you. Guys. You, you probably <laughs> do because well, I here I, I actually I got this. I don't know if we'll be able to hear this. I got this from after the overtime win of basically your description of what just happened. <laughs> wow, we just got finished. <laughs> We just got finished. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that quote because I didn't remember saying that. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, literally, you just got finished by the Gophers. Cause... Yeah, but that's not what it meant, but you can use Oh, it. I'm just going with it. <laughs> it something about Nyes and talking. We had just finished talking about Nyes, right, or something? Mm-hmm. You you were, actually. Yeah. And actually, Viggs, I was surprised that he was out there because – there was a short shift in between, but he was out there a long time. And even Cap, you saw you saw that kind of semi break that he had. Um, he was pretty tired, Viggs, but short short rest and then right back on. Yeah, and he just needs that little bit of space where he can get that big body to protect the puck, and he can make magical things happen out there. I think he's talked about that over the year how he's learned how to use his knees, how to use his hips and how to use his shoulders to create separation and protect the puck. And it's just that maturation of a hockey player. And he's basically like an NHL body now playing NCAA hockey, and he understands how to use that body right now. Well, before we get into that Saturday night, Viggs, your thoughts on the 7-2 victory 
Friday night. Um, I think even Cappy was saying that uh, they were telling him that they tried to play the Gopher style and it just didn't work out too well for them. Yeah, you know, Penn State, they survive on pressure and getting in transition. And when they don't put pressure on the other team, they get in trouble. And Minnesota had plenty of space on Friday night and their skill just leapt off the screen. You know, you just saw players finishing scoring opportunities. I mean, you look at that second period for Logan Cooley. This kid is flashing it all. He's competitive. He's got vision. He's got skating. He can pass the puck. He can shoot the puck. Uh, I, I think he's exceeded all expectations I had for him this season. I was a little nervous. Him coming in, playing center, being top billion player, he's he's delivered this season. And, and Cappy, he doesn't shy away from the physical play either. We, you know, we saw that play when Fish came into the zone with the puck and obviously the whistle blowing, he gets knocked over. Cooley is right in his face, causing trouble, getting penalties, and actually getting an extra penalty, a five-minute major after that when they they face pass a little bit. So he's not afraid to to mix it mix in some physical putt stuff stuff too. Excuse me. No, and that's not even the play that I you guys mentioned that or I saw like people talking about that one on the on Twitter and stuff. And that's not the play I I remembered. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a great play that he comes in there, but mm-hmm. it, it's you know I remember. You know, the first period, it was, I think it was the second period, but on Saturday, he come, they, they weren't playing well. You could tell it was just like a, you know, Penn State gets an early goal. You knew Minnesota wasn't going to be, they're not going to come out and be dominant again that night. It's hard to do that. But he threw a check on Tyler Paquette, who's probably the biggest Penn State guy, right in front of the bench. And, he, you know, he went out of his way to do it. Like, it wasn't like he mm-hmm. had to yes. do it. And it just showed, like, he was pissed off quite frankly at maybe the start start of the game and you just saw his competitiveness come out even more there and I think that's what maybe an NHL you know his Arizona scouts would be like that's what I love to see the most he didn't do anything dirty or anything he just was was like okay I'm gonna bring something else I'm gonna try to get this team going by going after arguably their biggest player and finishing a hard check on him Viggs I mean you kind of (laughs) talked about it I think sometimes it gets the better of him and he takes some stupid penalties and he gets a little too hot headed, but uh, I think he's calmed that down a bit and he's just using it more to his advantage and not to the detriment of the team. Well, I think he was getting in trouble when he was doing stuff after the whistle and he was, you know, trying to figure out how do I get physical in college hockey and do it right and still make a point. And he's now finding ways to, to do it in the, pace of play and you know deliver hits like Cappy said where he's finishing guys along the wall or you know being a little bit harder in the corners when he's winning pucks and you just see that maturity and I think it takes guys a while to learn how to play physical in college hockey because you'll get penalties if you do it the wrong way Mm -hmm. you know I think we saw that with Sampo Ranta when the coaches were like hey Sampo we need you to be more physical you're a big body go out there and do that and he would just, you know, run guys. He would take bad hits. You know, he'd take he'd take the body to take him out of play too far. And so I think it takes a while for guys to figure out how do I make that kind of impact in the game. So a big period, Viggs, um, Friday night. Five points, a goal, and four assists. Um, it's not like the other guys did bad either. Um, so obviously Cooley, Nice, Duggar is the big talk. 
I, I'm a little worried about some of the other lines, uh, like the the Nelson line. Is I they, they haven't contributed offensively as much lately. Yeah, it definitely seems like they're taking a little pressure off when they're on the ice. When they're playing really well, they're all connected. Mm-hmm. They're applying the forecheck where they just seem to be in sync, where they get on top of pucks almost immediately. They place pucks where their linemates can go and continue to apply pressure. The last couple of games, it seems like they're just a little behind the play, a little late to the dance. And I think it's easier for someone like Cappy to see that than than for us because you know when you're just watching the TV camera angle that you get on the broadcast, you don't see how players are setting each other up. You know, when you get that big picture, it's it's easier to see are they really that far away from the puck? Are they that far away from making a play? And um, I think that's something they did well early in the year, and something maybe they'll get back to is the intensity ramps up, but it's just missing right now. Did you see any of that kind of Friday night game coming at all, Cappy? Because we certainly didn't. Uh, well, well okay, back, you know, I think they kind of, I don't think they played well either game last week against Wisconsin. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, and you know, leagues, you were there at least like Bob doesn't say much in his press conference. At least he didn't this week. Like, but the one thing he did say was that, Hey, uh, maybe the coach has the room back a little. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think once, you lose a game and maybe and get away with one on Friday night. Okay. You know, and the guys, I think both guys and then the guys we talked to all said detail, like they all said detail in there. And so like getting back to the details. Um, and then the other factor was, you know, they were coming off a of bye week this time Penn state was coming off their bye week. And I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason for it, but Minnesota was flat the week before. And then Penn state was flat on theirs. And the other team took advantage of it to an extent. Um, and Minnesota did it to them. And then then being shorthanded without their D, I think they felt like, oh, man, we're maybe we're a little bit of the underdog here, kind of going on the road. You know, so maybe had just a little bit of an extra chip Friday. And then, you know, the, they got going early. And then the big line took over in the second period. And then it Penn State looked like a team that reminded me when they were playing Michigan when Hughes scored four goals and they just mm-hmm. stopped skating. And they look like they were stuck in quicksand, and they don't have the talent to not skate. If, mm-hmm. if they're not skating, they're in big trouble. Um, and that's just kind of snowball of what I thought Friday happened. But that that goal, that first goal, really kind of set the tone because that was such a pretty goal, and I think it just kind of got the ball rolling. You know, I don't think it ever hit the ice. I think Pitlick's pack a pass back. I mean, if it did, it was I, like as it I yeah, I, I think like, he hit it oh. maybe out of yeah out of the year. I was like, it was just it was just so weird. But yeah, that was that was a you know because it was you know they were putting on quite a bit of pressure there, Viggs, and all of a sudden we just as as Cappy said in the podcast, they they pulled a Penn State, you know, flipping it up and just throwing it down there. They got a break, a bounce off a glove, and. Boom, boom, boom. It was in the net. And that's what it, it did really set the tone for that game. It did set the tone. And, and when Minnesota gets going in transition, that's bad news for the other team. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked like in a couple of years past, you know, the gopher talent wasn't quite this elite. And this year they are elite at finishing opportunities. And you just can't do that to Minnesota. 
I, I do think one thing about the detail, you know, I asked Jackson Lacombe, what is, what does that mean? Like, what does what the detail in your game look like? And he's like back checking all the way to the net, being on the right side of the puck and being aware of your shift length and your shift discipline and who's out there on the ice. And I think as you get going deeper in the season, that stuff matters a ton. You really have to recognize, you know, who's out there against me and what's their shift length like? Are we going to be able to take an opportunity against them? Or is this one where we need to play it safer and just reload with the next line and gain some momentum? And those are the kinds of details that matter at this time of year. And you have to hope that a veteran team learns those lessons. And Minnesota hasn't done that in the past. And I and I worry about that in a one-and-done type game, you know, because there's so much buildup right now. This team is focused on Frozen Four. There's a lot of weeks between now and then. Cappy, Saturday night, Penn State came out, played much better, played a obviously a better overall defensive game. We're actually outshot by Minnesota. So it was they really changed up their game to keep it close. Yeah, I think at least like the first, obviously getting the goal early helps. Yeah. You score like that, you know, the crowd's in it. Um, I just thought also, okay, you lose 7-2 Friday at home. You're going to get a better effort from them. Yeah. And then I don't care what how good you are. You win 7-2 Friday and everything's going well for you. It's going <laughs> to hit you a little mentally and have you just not as crisp to start a game Minnesota and I didn't think they were horrible but you know you see some Friday you're like oh maybe it'll just happen again no that's you know it's not going to come easy so kind of you know those two kind of colliding one coming down from such a great effort one coming up you know I thought it was a somewhat even game it was first half of it at least um yeah Penn State I don't know because you know the week two weeks before against Ohio State I think Ohio State outshot them both nights or kept them under 30 shots or right around Mm. 30, which is just, that's just wild. Even when it's a road series and they're not keeping their own shots. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I don't know what's happened lately, but they have not been stringing the shots together. They're taking those first shots like normal, but they're not getting that second and third one, Mm -hmm. like what they've done and then get the pressure in the zone, get the defensive team running around out of position that's where they get into their bread and butter type of deal and they haven't been able to do that recently i think in that that sort of second and third periods vegs on saturday night minnesota was really building they started taking over the game and then you know a defensive lapse is what you could say i know moscow was not happy about giving up that uh 2-1 goal after playing so well since that you know first shot of the game that they allowed in yeah you're not happy about that goal because it's three players all making critical mistakes. You have a defender behind the net who's who's mishandling a puck. You have a defender who's trying to keep the puck from coming out to the front of the net, and they're not able to do that. They don't pay enough attention to make a skilled play and block that puck. And then you have a forward who's supposed to be protecting the net who's not even close to his check. And when you have three players all miss critical details at the end of a game, that's going to frustrate a coach. I think the other thing about Saturday that I think frustrated Bob was they missed the net 21 times out of 71 shot attempts. They had 17 shots blocked. That's just not mentally being engaged in the game. And I think that was frustrating for him to to see that kind of stuff happen. 
And, you know, they're not all going to be Picasso's, but sometimes when you don't have your A game, you want your team to be a little more disciplined, committing to the ground game and just controlling it rather than leaving it for a toss-up at the end like they did on Saturday. But then uh, Mr. Nice shows up, Cappy, and uh, gets a nice feed. Snuggaroo just comes around the net, feeds it across, goes off a skate. No bodies on Snugger on, on Nice. He buries it. And then and then they get the overtime winner from Nice after Cooley spins behind the net, comes back, comes around, spins again. And like you said, it was like Cal McCarr um, coming towards the net. And he was like, I'm just going to dish it off here. So then the show began and it, and it was kind of (laughs) neat. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that spin was, I mean, almost exactly the same. It was. Um, And I, I mean, I saw the broadcast, I'm like, he's got a pretty much breakaway here, but he's looking it off kind of. I'm like, well, somebody has got to be over there. Right. (laughs) Um, And he had to make a perfect shot. Well, I mean, Sully has air. Like not you know not there but you know he he left what he got to whatever he could and it was like, yeah it was just inside the pipe it was a great so and he put it right in the spot um, and then the tying goal actually to go back to that I you know Brodzinski went to the net you know mm-hmm. and yes. and their guys went there because that's the play that's where Snugger was going with the puck so you can't blame them and Nice is <laughs> you can't be in the same spot as Brodzinski why would you want to do that so he's on the other side and you know, right guy in the right spot. And he had to bury that. That barely went in too. So um, good plays, you know, felt it when Snugger was carrying that puck in that and he was going pretty good. You're like, okay, that, that, that something's going here. You know, you know, it doesn't always work out, but you're like, okay, some, you know, they're in a good spot here. Um, and, and, yeah. and honestly, Viggs, these are the kind of games they lost so many times over the past five years. You know, they right. play well, they play well for the game, and then they give up a late goal, and then that's it. Well, we've been talking about how the fan base is very confident when their team is behind a goal and they pull their mm-hmm. goalie because this team, time and time again, is showing that they can even it up and take it to OT. And I I probably should look it up here at some point, but I gotta think they've got like four or five extra attacker goals this year, which is just amazing because they are not behind very often either. Mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah, that's pretty wild if they do because you don't remember too many for chasing by one. And and, and Frank Masako put out today that, you know, uh, Nye's scoring three overtime goals ties a record for a goal for a, a gopher in a career even, I think he would say. No one had more than three overtime winners or something like that. And he's got three this season. It's pretty crazy. It, it, it is crazy, and I don't want to take anything away from that. But with it being three on three, it doesn't have yeah, yeah. more goals unless you're going out there a lot too. So I like yeah. I don't want to say it's not incredible. I, I had one overtime goal in my college career. So you know it's not easy. So he's got three, which in one year, which is insane. So, what was it? What was your overtime goal? Who was it against? What was uh, the score? Western Michigan. I ended up actually being the not oh god. I, I had Come on, good, let's hear it. I got a Joan Horn. Nice award that weekend for I had a good weekend at Western one year. So, uh, but yeah, one overtime goal I, I think as far as I can remember. So him having three in one year, don't mm. want to, but it does change with the three on three aspect. Yes, but yes, don't want to take too much away from him because he does his what seven game winning goals now too. Yes, yeah. that that's like oh, two more than any other. So that's 
listen to this, don't. I'm not taking a shot at you. Probably. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> and then no, I totally that, get it. They do have four extra attacker goals this year. Wow, wow. that's amazing. That's a lot. <laughs> I can't think of them right now. Did they, uh, game? Lacombs, Lacombs had two like point shot okay. type goals. Uh, Nice has got the one here, mm-hmm. and there was one earlier in the year. I think Nice might have got two. North Dakota, Notre Dame, North Dakota. That's one I remember. Penn State, yeah. The North, the Minnesota games were, or the Michigan games, they were they were down in the third. Not extra attacker goals though, right? I both games they were down in the third period and came back at home. Pretty. I sure. think one of them might have been a late goal though. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if they were extra attacker though. You know. But yeah, like you said, Vix, it's kind of that confidence, confidence that you know you've done it a couple times and you can do it again. That's a big deal. Yeah. And I think you watch this team in those situations, and they get second, third, fourth, fifth chances because they are so good at getting to loose pucks. As Cappy was saying, Penn State is not able to get those second chances. This Minnesota team, they just figure out how to get in the right spots to win those second chances. And, you know, Bob's a big baseball guy. And he's like, if you give a team extra outs by making errors, you're going to get in trouble. And that's what mm-hmm. happens to teams against Minnesota is they're making errors. There's extra outs and, and Minnesota is always going to come to the plate swinging. I think that's the, the part with the details. Another part with the details is I felt like in, on Friday night, they came back to the front of the net really well on their back check. And then, so when Penn state got that first shot, they were there to, either get it out or take it and go. And it wasn't giving Penn, like I said, Penn state that second and third shot where they can build momentum on that shift and, you know, get you in trouble. Did, um, do you think Minnesota took offense by a few people saying they can relax that they're already champions by the night before Viggs? Cause you know, uh, <laughs> Moscow kind of went after, you know, uh, Frank a little bit Friday night after that. And, <laughs> I don't know. Bob Bob is trying to protect his team from the Nick yes. Saban rat poison. You know, the media <laughs> puts all this rat poison out and they just try to keep the players away from it. You know, this doesn't mean anything. We should rest. Maybe we should put in the backup goaltender. Maybe we should, you know, mix up the lines and rest our stars. You know, all the, yeah, they did on Friday. <laughs> you know, there's all this stuff that that's out there. And Bob's like, I gotta try to figure out how to get this team to the finish line. You know, he's not happy with how the Big Ten tournament's going to work. Yes. You know, they're going to have the bye. They're going to have the one game. He's hoping that they get a second game, but it's a week later. And then they come to the tournament, whereas you, you have all these other leagues doing something different. And I don't know what Bob quite wants the Big Ten to do other than add an eighth team, but it's not a great situation coming the end of the year. So he's got to try to find a way to keep them focused while he can. And then you look at somebody like a Michigan State, not even going to play this weekend, Cappy. Um, yeah, you know we're trying, we're trying to hopefully get them to get their at least first league playoff win, right? <laughs> and now they're going to end up, you know, that whole last weekend off, and then they got to come in, yeah. full three game series and, and and try to win, maybe at home, probably on the road, but right, it's not a great situation. They would need help from Wisconsin. Um, well, and Ohio State, I think, or not, is it Ohio State? No, not Ohio State, um, Michigan. They would need Michigan to take care of Notre Dame, and they would need Wisconsin, I believe, to just win one 
because I I think it's head to head, right? Biggs is the first tiebreaker. Like if yeah. you're series, if so, I think and I and, and Michigan State has that over over um, uh, Penn State. They have the head to head record, I believe, because they went two one and one against them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Penn State were to split with Wisconsin, they'd be tied for that four or five. If Michigan if Michigan were to sweep Notre Dame, let's say the top three were. Uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, you guys, Minnesota, they would need Penn State to split with Wisconsin for them to, and I think they would be 4-5 with Penn State, I think, and then Notre Dame would be 6. So, it's um, yeah, I mean, I think think for, not to get on a big Michigan State thing, but I think for them right now, everything is gravy this year. I think if you're Adam Nightingale, like, to be a 500 team, near near a pairwise conversation and near a home ice spot for the playoffs if they get it great if not i think you know but he's building something there and this isn't a bad year because i think recruits are looking like hey look what he's doing with the you know the talent level isn't great but look what he's doing there what if we get some talent in here you know or you know high whatever higher end talent so just for Michigan State, I think it's, this is a good building block for them to be. You want them to be a good part of this league. We do. The league better. You know, but like Vig said, they, they need another team. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, I'm obviously they tried the tournament thing and it didn't work with fans or whatever it was, Viggs. But for the hockey team, that still works best that way. Because like you said, you're playing one weekend, two games, maybe three. The next weekend you're playing, you know, three games or two games at least. So, and then you start the tournament. Now you're playing, I mean, two games in two weeks. And that's, that's a tough, that's a tough deal. Yeah. It's always complicated when you talk to these coaches about what is best at the end of the season for the conference tournament and what's best for them in the NCAA tournament in terms of sites, location, games and days, because if you're the underdog, you know, you want that neutral site, dead atmosphere, maybe with a chance to mm-hmm. get a bid. If you're the team that's that's always on top, you would rather play at home and and do whatever it is to to get you through healthy and maybe sell some tickets. Uh, and the regionals, if you're a small team, you probably want the empty buildings and whatnot. You don't want to give advantages to these big teams. So I think there's a lot of coaches out there who are making decisions based on selfish reasons. I think if you were looking is what's best for the college hockey player and what's best to prepare them for the tournament, it's to have the rigor of a couple games, you know, before heading in the NCAAs. It's not good to sit at home for the next three weeks. You know, maybe one of those weeks is okay, but not not two out of three. Well, that's I mean, that, what do you think, Cappy? Is there what changes would you like to see? Well, that's what could happen, say, you know, if the top four are looking pretty solid in the NCAA tournament, right? So say Penn state ends up on the road, say they only, they split with Wisconsin. They end up at Michigan state, Michigan state beats them. They're in the tournament and they got to sit around for three weeks, pretty much. There'll be three weeks between games. Um, you know, if Minnesota somehow were to lose the, lose the semifinal, they're going to play in three weeks. Um, for me, if you know, and there's a lot of logistical stuff, uh, and, and then you got to think about much, enough time between games. But I, for me, maybe at you, I would go, you have two weeks, squeeze it down to two weekends. 
you play your best of three. Maybe you start it Thursday. You do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if necessary. And then the next weekend, if you want to keep it on the sites, you go Thursday, semifinals, and then Saturday. So there's a day of trap, like say minute, it goes chalk and it's Minnesota. And right now I think it'd be Ohio state right now. who's second officially. Mm -hmm. Um, they would Ohio state would travel on Saturday, Friday, the day off and play Saturday against the Gophers for the championship. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's, I, at least this three weeks, I, 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 I too drawn out. I hate it. (laughs) It's too drawn out. And, and And I, it, and people argue with the time, like we're screwed with basketball. We are right in the heart of all the basketball with all the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. the Big Ten tournament, and then the NCAA tournament is Big Ten championship weekend. So it's not going to matter. Your ratings aren't going to go much down. Your attendance shouldn't suffer, I don't think, because it's either, you know, it's going to be there or not to be on whether it's Thursday or Friday. Um, for the semifinal, if you if you squeezed it down, I I I just think they're the three weeks hurts us. It does. It does um, so I'd like to, there at least to be a discussion, maybe, but I don't know if that'll happen. But obviously, everything would change if um, you got eight teams. But even then, I'd still want to see it in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's you, nothing really changes. You know, a team just doesn't get a buy. That's all. But they would still but, need to change. Well, but at least, but Minnesota would be playing this the next true, week and they're playing two games minimum, and true. then you know, they'd have two, then one and one. So at least you know you're keep continually having games. Yes, and it doesn't hurt you to just have one game and one game because you're still playing, and you know, but you're getting a little more rest time. It's the end of the year; your bodies are, are beat up a little bit, um, but yeah. you're going to play and play. So, um say Arizona state was in the league this year, they'd probably be seventh or eighth the way the pairwise has them right now, whatever. And it would, Minnesota would be playing either Wisconsin or Arizona state. In the first round. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I wish I would be happy to go into these conference meetings or anything. And even if I'm not worried, just, just to spitball ideas, I say the same thing about NHL and their salary cap. That is so anciently pathetic. I'm like, let's start being flexible. Let's it's like, let's go in a room and spitball ideas. I think that's what Big Ten, you know, needs to do with the coaches and red, get Red Berenson in there. See what you know. Get people in there with ideas, and the more you put out there, you know, you might find something that sticks to the wall. Well, hopefully, hopefully they'll take a look at it, Viggs. Well, Bob said on his radio show this week that the coaches have talked about it and they have scenarios that they've talked through. He just isn't willing to share them. But I think I think all the coaches are frustrated, at least the ones who have aspirations to do well in the NCAA tournament. You know, they are frustrated with this. Again, you have these coaches maybe who aren't aspirational to the NCAA tournament and trying to win championships, and they're just like, what's best for me? rather than what's best for that team when they've earned that shot, which is how I think college hockey should be organized. You should have leagues who say, how do we have our team be in the best position to win an NCAA title? Because that's what's best for our league, not my school trying to win one game. Right, but and, and that would be crazy. Who in the Big Ten is not thinking about winning national championships? Uh, in in the big picture, yes, this year. Mm-hmm. Certain, you don't think Adam Nightingale now – is on the side of like, we need to get to that. We need to be where Michigan is right now in Minnesota. 
I, you know, Tony Granato had two years ago, had the best, one of the best teams in the country, you know, I, you know, Penn state and Ohio state aren't thinking, Oh, let's just make NCAA tournaments. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I guess that's true. And they think of it differently a little, but uh, yeah, I, I think they're looking at it differently saying what's our best chance to get a bid in right. the tournament, not what's the best way for us to prepare ourselves for the tournament. Their thing is how they're, do I protect my I'm school? So I get a bid tournament pretty much every year and what's gonna yeah but i i mean i think most big 10 teams are gonna think that way at this point if you, if you look at it now if wisconsin somehow turns it around and michigan state's going where they are where is the weak link in the big 10 you know eventually and that's you you want that but you mm-hmm. also are like you know they're gonna beat beat each other up to a certain mm-hmm. extent but Look at this year. I mean, you got no bear teams aren't even over 500 in the league and they're all, and those teams are going to make the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. without, I mean, I think Ohio state's at 99.8%. So, I mean, you can stamp four teams pretty much. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to knock on wood a little. <laughs> Minnesota thing of 2018. 2018. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just would love for them to put the big 10 in a better situation. Uh, All right, let's get more on to Ohio State here. And actually, I kind of want to get you going a little bit, Cappy. Some new arena might be coming, but the men's team aren't going to be playing there. I already saw your eyes kind of roll back into your head a little bit there. What the hell is going on over there? I mean, I don't know enough of the detail, but I mean, I have a a pretty good source there that told, like, you know, when you saw the article come out, Mm -hmm. you get new new rank. but it sounds like, and even now, I mean, it's not even speculation. Like, um, he came out and said so much as right now, we don't know. It depends on really how much money they get. But it's not even, that's that's for, to get it up. They're, they're thinking like right now they have the money for 1,500 seat, maybe 2,000 seat place. And, and, th- and that if they could get more donors, more money, maybe they get it to 3000 or so. And if they do that, then the men would play there against non-con like when they get those small crowd, they wouldn't do that against the Gophers or Michigan or Penn, you know, late the second mm-hmm. half, they get eight, 9,000 people in that building. It would be for like when they're playing Bowling Green in, in October and November. Um, but it's, it's Ugh. more for, it's more for the women. Yes. Uh, and then definitely practice in too so i mean it'd be a nice new practice facility um but you know i don't know i (laughs) (laughs) it's just to me it's it's like the worst thing you could do like that they it's like hey more donor money means more seats so like all of a sudden if they get 20 million from oh okay we got enough for six thousand. boom that's the new men's rank like it could change and he literally almost like pleaded that out and said hey well our money we get did he would i'm not even this isn't like some hidden thing he said this um so I, you know uh the, you I, know at least the women are getting taken care of because their their facility is an embarrassment so yeah that part is so good and so great for women's college hockey but like you said Viggs, they just can't do this <laughs> they've got to find those donors because it would be a foolish move well it's basically something like once you make that investment it's not like you can just all of a sudden change it and add another 4,000 seats to the rink if you change your mind. Right. I think you have to be forward-thinking. You are in the Big Ten. You are sponsoring men's and women's hockey in one of the biggest conferences 
in college hockey, this is your chance to make an investment. If you don't, you will forever be handicapping your program in a conference where it seems like everyone is making improvements. Michigan State has made a lot of improvements for the players. You have to think that they'll be making improvements to their rink soon for the fans. Yep. You know, Minnesota, they're shrinking the rink. They're going to be improving the experience of the fans. You know, you're going to have these new competitors coming in with like St. Thomas and Augustana. You know, you're competing for players. If you don't take this opportunity and make that step and solidify your program, you are forever holding them back. And just to kind of get one last thing about Gene Smith, this is this is kind of being quoted as his last thing on his list before he leaves. And I'm like, well, then why wouldn't you want to push and get this one big, not even that big, you're talking about five, 6,000 seat arena. Mm-hmm. And, and you go off into the sunset and say your teams who you've had the number one women's team the last three years and a big, and a, a men's team that's been top 10 to 15 pretty mm-hmm. consistently over the last seven, eight years, gone to a frozen four, won a big 10 regular season. Like, it's not going to get worse if you put something there. The fans do show up the last four or three games. If they get a good yes. in the second half, you're getting you're going to have sellouts where people are going to be. You're going to be getting secondary market tickets going for if you're at the five fifty five hundred seat place. You're going to be playing Michigan and Minnesota in February with Big Ten ramifications. Um, I I just don't see how you can't find that money for something that could be a twenty year investment. You know, this isn't like oh we got to get our money back and you could honestly you could build another you could add two rinks and 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 make it a make your money on the side so to speak you know mm-hmm. with minor hockey tournaments all that stuff so you know that's all i got i don't want to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> well well how about that quality outdoor ice where chunks yeah. this deep were coming out the weather man Oh man, I I you know the coaches are saying, "Oh, this is great for hockey." But you know behind the scenes they're going, "Why are we playing such an important game with points on this crappy ice?" I I mean, you got <laughs> you got to do it. Everything else about it was unbelievable, right? I, I Yeah. I couldn't believe the scene was great. The you know, it just they got stuck with like one of the nicest weather days in Cleveland in the middle of February. It's 45 and sunny like just doesn't happen the day before it was 34 and snowing that would have been perfect i bet the ice would have been perfect throughout so uh yeah because i was sending you messages on twitter what's happening in our game because this game's going yeah, way over watch that. like so what do we say and i'm like man fox sports i just send you that i'm like with it i don't wanna <laughs> i'll just let you do that stuff but I, 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 yes, I think I'd love those. I love them for non-conference games. I, I'm not big on league games for this Vigs. Uh, we know that Don wasn't that fond of, I mean, he loved the outdoor game as a game, but I don't think he liked it. It was against points when they played Ohio State. Yeah, I, I think it's tricky. You know, you kind of want your players to have that experience and yes. reward them because it's a cool it's a cool deal. Like being outdoors and, and skating in a bit like a different venue is really cool for the players and the families and all the stuff that leads up to it. You know, the jerseys that Ohio state oh, broke man. out for that game and the goalie uh-huh. pads. I mean, that's uh-huh. just pretty special. Yeah. But it's I, too bad. The ice is so I, inconsistent. They don't number 27 on their team. That was my number. And I texted uh, Tim Adams, our, our equipment 
Like, mm. hey, you make a 27 jersey because send that my way. <laughs> <laughs> I would turn in that one I, <laughs> one I never got to playing because that one's better. I'd put that one in the for this one from – well, how about the games this weekend, Viggs? Ohio State coming in. Team, Both teams are still playing for, you know, they're not playing for, well, Ohio State's playing for points. Minnesota's not, but Minnesota's playing for that number one overall seed. So any kind of victory against Ohio State just solidifies that even more. What are your thoughts on this weekend coming up? Well, I thought at the start of the year, Ohio State was one of the most dangerous teams in the Big Ten just because of their older roster and goaltending and defensemen and just the style of hockey that they play. Steve Rolick's done a great job at that program the last five plus years and really has built an identity for Ohio State hockey. And I think it presents a lot of challenges to Minnesota if they don't play a solid game where they protect the puck, where they make smart decisions through the neutral zone and where they put pucks on net or get to their ground game. You know, I think it, if you don't do things the right way, Ohio State can expose you. And so it's kind of a risky weekend for Minnesota. I know that Bob's fighting off all that rat poison, saying that these games do matter and they're trying to figure things out. But at the same point, these are still college kids and they see, you know, the schedule. <laughs> they know what's going on. So it's uh, going to have to be some mind games to figure out how to get the best performance this weekend out of Minnesota, especially with that game on Saturday that's early. You know, we've talked about this a couple times where I get worried about Minnesota when they play that late Friday night game, that early Saturday game. It's just you got to trick yourself a little bit to get up for it. It's all about TV, though. People complain they want every game on TV. So if you want every game on TV, Viggs, you're going to have to adjust your times a bit. Oh, you mean what? this? <laughs> <laughs> well, even Friday night, you know, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock for ESPNU. I know Matt Fick's coming in. He's going to be calling that game. Yep. Um, for ESPNU, and I'm not sure who, who are you guys sending for Big Ten for Saturday. I think it's Dan and Ben Climber. There you go. And and the one thing you know, it's funny is I and I think they're doing this because of the basketball too. Is Minnesota yes. basketball is playing before your game, so they like kind of piggybacking when it's mm-hmm. not same sports because it doesn't make any other. I, I can't think of any other reason why they would have the Michigan game after you guys because. With the time zone, they're playing at eight o'clock on Saturday night, where you guys are now are playing at four thirty. Where they easily could have you switch those, and it makes complete sense because Michigan would be playing at five thirty Eastern time after a seven o'clock game the night before. So like that's pretty close. And instead mm-hmm. of having you guys in Ohio State playing at eight o'clock and then at four thirty, they could have eight o'clock and at seven o'clock being the second half of the doubleheader of on BTN Saturday. But I think they like having. You know, Minnesota basketball go right to the Minnesota hockey, and can't. You know. And hopefully, that Minnesota basketball game doesn't tick off the Minnesota hockey fans. It goes too late. Otherwise, blame Rick Pizzo. Blame Pizzo. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be there with me on Saturday, so I'll. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> He's not on Twitter anymore, so that's I can't. No, we can't. I will. I will say this. He he kind of is, but that's all yeah. I'll say. Yeah, you know, he, he ah, of course, down. yeah, of course he is, but still. Right. Yes, no. I'll send him a text, blame Pizzo. <laughs> I, I guess I'll talk about the series a little bit with, with Ohio State. And yeah. I think the the big diff, like, I was watching them play Penn State the week before, and it was 
pretty even series, like or two weeks before because Penn State had a week off. Uh, Penn State late goal wins the game Friday. Ohio State late goal Saturday wins, so they split. Um, but the big difference is special teams. Ohio State mm-hmm. has really good special teams, especially the penalty kill. Uh, their power play is pretty solid. It's not spectacular, but it's over 20%, I think. But their penalty kill... Deadly. It's, it's deadly. It's just that they're number one at killing them. And nine shorthanded goals or something like that? Or Ten shorthanded goals. There you on, go. Got their tenth on Saturday. I think they're only minus five all year. Mm. I think they've given up 15 power play and and, and gotten ten. They, at one point, they had more. They were plus one. I would say in January, they were plus one while they were shorthanded. Which is, so I think... That and then Dobish and that I think is a little a little more solid than Sulier has been pr- is pretty good, but I think Dobish is right there as the most talented guy in the league. You know, stats aside of everything, but um, the special teams is where I think Buckeyes put themselves having a chance to maybe get a split at least this weekend. Viggs, I think I recall the game that Minnesota won at Ohio State. I think Ohio State two of their goals were shorthanded goals. Yeah, it could, I, could I, be. I, I seem to remember that a couple breakaway goals for them that game. And it might have been Burnside had two shorties. Yeah. Same guy, I think. The second game, right? Because the Buckeyes. It was yeah, it was the second game. The Buckeyes. Wild yep. game. A lot of yep. weird bounce goals. Yeah, they didn't play very well that second game. And I think it was, I think it might have been their only time. I'd have to look at the schedule, but yeah. or what the score was that second game. But they had, I think both their goals were shorthanded goals. Yeah, and I think Jobish got a little fatigued last year during the season, and we haven't seen any of that this year. I I don't watch a lot of Buckeye hockey start to finish, but you can watch those condensed games on Big Ten Network uh, Plus, and you can kind of get a feel for how things are going. And whereas last year it seemed like pucks were just kind of finding holes in his drops in the butterfly, those aren't happening this year. And so you're seeing a more consistent goalie down the stretch for Ohio State. To go, hold on, just to go off of that, not to plug the, the network or anything, but you go for it. Watch the, the Big Ten and 60s that air on the Big Ten network. Big Ten hockey and 60s. You, have you seen this? They usually do like football and basketball games where they mm-hmm. condense it. They do a show every week now. It's called Big, Ho- Big Ten Hockey and 60, where they show the highlights of all six, like if there's six conference games going on, or maybe mm-hmm. even if it's a non conference, if it's aired on BTN or Peacock or whatever, they have that and they. Somebody, you know, they have a, you know, production assistant or whatever, condense it and make an hour show. Um, it has all the highlights of every game. Yeah, because I've noticed that this year on the schedule is when you pick up a game to go on the replay, you can watch the condensed version and yeah. you can watch a whole series in about 30 minutes and watch yeah. both games. Less because it's mostly just the goals and big save. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, they're doing each, each game is a segment. So it's about, what, seven six minute segments maybe mm-hmm. uh or six seven minute segments sorry um so each game is one segment of like the two game series and the next two game series so like for fans if, if you ever wanted to dvr that then you could kind of cheat and see you know cliff's notes of all the games mm-hmm. like i said to get you want to watch ohio state from last week because you're going to see them against minnesota this weekend kind of thing so uh they started that last year it's, it's kind of a cool little thing to have <laughs> I've noticed it more this year. Yeah. So what happens this weekend, Viggs? Oh boy. I, I think, <laughs> I think uh, 
there is real potential for Ohio State to come in here and get four, five, six points. Mm-hmm. I just get that feeling, you know, Minnesota's maybe gonna have Brock Faber play, maybe not. Uh, you know, they've got some injury issues up front where they're just kind of guys who are going to the end of the season. I think that's part of the reason we're not seeing some of the consistency of the lines that we saw early in the year. Guys are playing through some stuff. So I just feel like there, there just might be eyes ahead to that semifinal and Ohio state can take advantage of that. And one thing that Minnesota has capitalized on this year has been power play goals. That first power play unit has been outstanding all year. I think they're the tops in the big 10 for percentage and goals scored. And they're going to get a challenge this weekend from Ohio State. And if they are trying to rely on that kind of stuff in one line, I have a feeling Ohio State can counter that. They can handle one line. They can handle power play stuff. So I think it's a dangerous weekend for the Gophers. Interesting. That's not what the the Gopher fans want to hear, Viggs. What are you doing? You're more aggressive than I'm thinking, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it is interesting because, you know, Buckeyes are fighting for that second spot, and they'd love to have that. They'd rather play in the shot against Michigan, you know, looking ahead. You'd rather be playing Michigan in the semifinal of the shot than at Yost. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. that's pretty Captain Obvious stuff. But, um, I, I, you know, they're gonna. I think they're going to need help from Notre Dame if that's to happen. You know, I think the Buckeyes could win one, and then say they do win Friday. Then uh, you know everything else is gravy, and who knows with the quick turnaround, who knows? But yeah, I like the Buckeyes getting points. I just don't know how many. Like, I don't think they're going to get swept um, clean. You know, maybe uh, overtime they could lose five points. You know, like they did two weeks ago. But I think they're going to find a way to get a point or two at the least. I'm thinking five points to the Gophers. Win Friday night, overtime win Saturday night, just like this past weekend. I'm trying to be Mr. Positive here as we move further into the depths of the season. I mean, you just never know. Like, like You don't. Like, you you don't. don't know how they're going to come out knowing they had a good weekend last weekend, so the positive vibes are back. They're not kind of chip on their shoulder. They might have favor back. It doesn't mean it's a bad. That's a good thing, but. I don't know. You say, okay, Brock's here. We're we're let they're gonna get caught watching him to see how he's doing more instead of playing their own a little bit. I don't know. There's a- yeah, but it's you know it's gonna be senior night on Saturday though. They've got it sold out. Oh yeah, it's gonna be big crowds. Vegs, we're not used to big crowds. You know, <laughs> you know, for Ohio State, we're just not. And seriously, we're not. <laughs> The fans have shown up this year for the Gopher hockey team, as Randy Johnson wrote about in the Star Tribune this week. You know, the fans have been back. We've been talking about it all season. You know, the scan numbers are up. They're actually showing up for games. You know, I think that atmosphere is there, but that afternoon game, you know, I saw someone in the comments say that's overblown. I think we can go back and we could do that condensed game and you can watch the first period of those early Saturday games all the way through. They're always trying to get to the intermission. Like, let's get through the first 20, you know, 1-1-0-0, and then we'll have our legs and game for the second period. You could say it doesn't exist, but it, it's a real thing. Was the Penn State series in this, when that, because that was, was that October, November? Was that one of those? Was it because I remember that series watching, and I'm thinking, you know, Penn State won the first game, and then they were in the lead after the first period of game two on Saturday. I'm like, 
man, they are might sweep them. And then they did tie it up, I think, with a power play goal. And then it was 1-1. And then Brzezinski and Nelson uh, connected for two goals in the third. And you're like, okay, they got the split. But for a while there, it looked like, man, Penn State could sweep them here, Mariucci. And I just can't remember if it was one of those. There were 7 p.m. games, but you're right. Yeah, they didn't score until late in the second period. It was was looking like Penn State. And and then the Brodzinski show showed up. Yep. Yep. Um, I remember trying to talk to a guy at the, at the post game for that one. And he was just kind of shaking his head. He didn't want to talk to the media. He felt like his team let a chance get away from them. And he was just like, you know, we we almost had it and we gave it away. Kind of was his feeling, I think. Yeah. And I just, I guess the only thing I was wondering about your point with the time thing, if that was one of those games, because normally it's like, okay, you win Friday night and then you're coming back quick and yeah it's a challenge because it's quick to come back you're like oh we already got one I think it's a different mentality to say Ohio State were to win on Friday night and then you're coming back quick you might see the maybe the legs jumping early in the game I don't you know I don't know it's the mental thing a lot of the time with that so I think a lot of it sometimes happens depends on what happens Friday yeah so basically we're all over the place for the results this weekend which is great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So officially, I've I've got Ohio State getting four points on the weekend. I'll say I, I'll say Ohio State's getting two. I'll say they win in overtime Friday, or even maybe a tight like three two win in regulation, something like that, and then Minnesota wins Saturday. So two three points for Ohio State, three four for Minnesota. Okay. Good enough for me. Yeah, I mean, it, does it really matter at this point? Because that, <laughs> for Minnesota, it doesn't really. Oh, if Minnesota can really can they lose? I guess Quinnipiac maybe could catch them, but aren't they pretty? I don't know how they lose that number one overall seed. And even if they don't get the overall, they're pretty locked in Fargo, aren't they? At this point, they should be. They should be in Fargo against you know either the fifteen or the sixteen team. Right. That, that's what should happen. The only way that gets messed up is if North Dakota wins an auto bid and they're a four seed and the, the, they'll have to go to Fargo then. And then Minnesota will have to go somewhere else and they can't go to Allentown probably. So to be honest, wouldn't they? <laughs> I don't think North Dakota's making that just from what I've seen and what. Uh, yeah. Know, what, a what a shame. What a shame. No, I you never know in that, but they're not, they're going to be on the road in the first round. Yeah. It's going to be tough for them. It's going to be tough. tough for them. Well, thanks for joining us, Cappy. Over it's always ready. great to have you on. Flying by. Uh Oh, Viggs is looking around. He's already looking for his beverage, getting ready for a get that beverage ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day here in Minnesota. Oh, it has day. been. So, well, we'll talk I'm gonna, about, I'm, I'm going to be joining you there. Viggs. Chicago, which I hate, but, it's better tomorrow because tomorrow it'll be, I'll be gone and there won't be any, yeah. whereas you guys are going to be. It hasn't been bad here. It's oh, just it's not as bad as it's eh, they said. We we're supposed to get over it like close to 20 at first. Now I think we might get a foot total from this. I, it's just something. It's weird. So Still, who knows? a lot of shoveling. <laughs> All right. Of course we want to thank uh, Cappy for joining us again for this, uh, with this week's podcast next week, we'll be back and we're just going to be recapping you know, what happens this weekend and previewing the Big Ten uh, tournament with the, all the other teams, not Minnesota. For those of you watching, stay tuned for a bit of overtime. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next week on the GPL podcast.